I had sought the Lord as to what I should prepare and teach through next, and the thing that kept coming to my mind was biblical wisdom. I believe in this day and age that we are living in that we see illiteracy rising all over the place. Um, statistically speaking, reading is going down and thinking is going down, and as a result, even biblical wisdom is falling by the wayside. And the scriptures also teaches us, and these are the words of Christ that, that tells us this, that the world will hate us not because of who we are, but because of whose we are, because we are in Christ and the world hated Christ before it even hated us. And because of that, I, I believe it's important that we take time and understand what is biblical wisdom. So for the next several times that I am able to speak on Wednesday evening, we'll be looking over biblical wisdom. Arguably, this will, uh, as many of you guys are well aware, aware and well versed in the Bible, you guys are well aware that we'll likely be in Proverbs quite a bit because it teaches profoundly that the wisdom of the Lord, the knowledge that comes from God, comes from fearing God. But in tonight, we need to understand what is biblical wisdom versus what the world teaches as wisdom. Because when we grasp this idea, what is wisdom that God offers, and how is it applied to our lives, that's when we can fully understand and grasp what biblical wisdom is and allow it to meditate on our hearts and allow it to be useful in our lives. So if you will, read with me in James chapter 3, and we'll be in verse 13 to the end of the chapter. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him so by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is our text this evening. James is going through and he's teaching of people who are scattered abroad. We see that in the very first verse in this book. James, the apostle and half-brother Jesus to those who are scattered abroad. And what he's teaching to these people who eventually read this text, and to us today as we are also byproducts of reading and listening and studying these texts, is Christian living today. James is teaching those who look at this book and look into it, how do I live? How do I function in this world that is hostile towards Christ? And as we're getting to where we're at today, 
we see that he's teaching us to pursue biblical wisdom. Several years ago, when Henry Ford uh, first started operating and making his Ford automobiles, he had a man build the generators and, and put them in his factories. Well, one day, the generators stopped while the maintenance crew worked days upon days without getting a fix of Ford. After losing countless days of manufacturing and production, he finally called the person who produces the, these generators and installed them for him. And the man came and tinkered for a few hours and left and sent a bill to Henry for $10,000. Henry, of course, remember the time frame, how many years ago this was. This was big money back in the day. So Henry was, was blown away at how it could cost this much for just a few hours of labor. So the man sent back an, a detailed and itemized bill, $10 for fixing the generators, $9,990 for the knowledge of how to tinker on the generators. The Bible gives us that $9,990 of how, of the knowledge of how we're to live in this world. And this evening, we see that there are two ways that is set before us. There are only two ways that we can continue forward in our life. The way of destruction or the wisdom of the world that leads to destruction is the first way. Notice what James says. He first tells us in verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? And this brings to my mind all the way back towards the front end of the book. Who seeks wisdom? Ask it of God. Who has understanding? He's saying, to those who have, who is wise and understanding, these are what these people look like. And notice what he describes the first way, and that is the way of destruction. In verse 14, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Firstly, we see here in verse 14 that the way of destruction, the way of this world is full of bitterness, it's full of envy, and it seeks the self. Today we see this very evident in our lives. We see the world around us and they are seeking their selves. They're seeking only what pleases them. They're not seeking to help others. They're seeking themselves. It recalls to our mind that Christ, in the economy of Christ, the way up is down. When Jesus is walking with his disciples towards the end of his ministry on the earth, and the disciples are asking Jesus, Jesus, who will sit on your right hand and on your left hand in the kingdom? And remember that the, the disciples, they fully believed that Jesus was going to enter into Jerusalem and set up the earthly kingdom then. And they were proud of themselves and they're thinking, I'm going to be sitting right beside Jesus. 
I'm going to be Jesus' right-hand man when the kingdom comes. And how does Jesus respond? Those who whistle rule will be a servant. What a thought. That in order to be productive in the Christian life, one must be humble. That in order for one to succeed in the life of Christ, he must possess humility. When Paul is writing to Philippians, he's pleading with the Philippians, have this very mind in you that was in Christ. And what was that mind of Christ? Humility. And not just any humility, but the humility that sent him to the cross. And now we come to James toward the end of the canon of scriptures and the way it's laid out. But James is written well before the last book. And James is telling us to seek wisdom, to go after wisdom. A few weeks ago, Kenny was preaching on Sunday morning in the Colossians. Seek the things that are above. Set your mind and set your heart on heavenly matters. James is telling us the same thing. Don't look to the world for your answers. Look to Christ. Look to heaven. Look to what is Right, look to what is biblical for the answers. He continues that the wisdom that is bitter, that is envying, that is self-seeking is not the wisdom that descends from above. And notice what else he describes this worldly wisdom. He says it's earthly. It's not heavenly. It does not reflect the nature of Christ. It doesn't have the goodness of God in it. It's full of self. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, his second one, the day is coming when it will become more evil and more evil as it increases. That people will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of others. And church, we are there today. People have no concern about what's going on around them. They're only concerned on their inward selves. A few weeks ago, we had Black Friday, and we, we see that very evidently in the history of Black Friday where people will trample over others to serve themselves a day after they were thankful for all the blessings in their lives. Don't seek the wisdom that is earthly. Notice how else he defines this worldly wisdom. It's sensual. It only seeks the pleasure of the self. It don't seek to give glory to God. It don't seek to help others. It's always, again, inward. It's always focused on how can I do better for myself? How can I provide for myself? It's sensual. It it don't look outward. It looks inward. And lastly, notice 
It's demonic. You go to several universities and they have programs called gender studies. You have to take four years to understand what a gender is. Don't you think that's a little bit demonic? We see the rise of AI. And we see that within AI, there are people actually working with the AI, the artificial intelligence, to make a new one-world religion. They'll surpass all religions. That's what they are claiming. Don't you think AI is worldly wisdom, which is demonic? And these are the things that we are facing. Don't go after the wisdom that is earthly, that does not seek to please God. Don't go after the wisdom that only seeks is the pleasure itself. And don't seek the wisdom of the world that is demonic. And notice, for where envy and self-seeking exist. So again, we see these words again because he just used these. Envy and self-seeking are what defines what worldly wisdom is. And he's drawing back to that. For where envy and self-seeking exist, notice, confusion and every evil thing is. Again, looking at the landscape of our day. They're always about worldly wisdom. We see this in the communities around us, such as transgender community and the LGBTQ, AI plus whatever community. They only seek themselves in its confusion. This is the wisdom of the world. And just to think that the Holy Spirit centuries ago penned these words and allowed it to be inspired that when we look at these today, we see that the Holy Spirit was true and accurate. That when you seek after the wisdom of the world, it only leads to confusion and the sight of evil everywhere. But notice... James leads us to the second way of living in this life. And that second way of living is the way of life. The way of biblical wisdom. Notice with me in verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is what it is first what? Pure. It has no defilement in it. You want to know why? Because this wisdom that's from above comes from God. The angels, when Isaiah is looking at the throne room of God, the angels are shouting, holy, holy, holy. Pure, pure, pure. Undefiled, undefiled, undefiled. Everything that God gives to us, his people, is undefiled. This month, we are, we are looking at Christmas. We are looking at the birth of the Savior. 
And when we look at the birth of the Savior, we understand that Jesus Christ had no earthly father because if he had an earthly father, it would mean he had the sin nature in him and would therefore disqualify him as the true Messiah of the Old Testament that was prophesied about. We celebrate that because we understand that the child that is in the manger is the very child that would die a gruesome death but would not remain in the tomb but was resurrected on your behalf and my behalf and everyone who has faith in him. And to think that this is the wisdom of God. To give you an idea, the Bible teaches us that the way of man cannot comprehend the wisdom of God. Paul tells us that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are dying. And the reason it's foolishness is because we cannot comprehend that God would send his son and his son would be willing to die on your behalf and my behalf. It's bewilderment. But that is the wisdom that is first pure. But notice what else. It's, then it's peaceable. That when we have the wisdom of God, when we have this biblical wisdom, it draws us to be peaceable people. When we've been studying through First Peter, Peter brings that out. That as we live in this life, we're not to bring anything that can bring a just cause against us to defile the name of Christ. But we are to live as peaceable people in this world. Why? Because that's what Christ calls us to. Again, looking at Christ as our model, when he is before the high priest and all the others who are falsely accusing him and doing a, an illegal trial before his death, he did not even open his mouth. It's almost as if when Isaiah is writing, he was a lamb led onto the slaughter. It's as if that the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And that's exactly what we're looking at. That this wisdom that is from above is peaceable. It don't look to cause strife. It don't look to bring enmity between each other, but it looks to bring unity. We continue, it says it's gentle. The wisdom from above causes us to be gentle. It causes us to love one another. It's, it's yielding. It, it desires to be at peace with one another. It's full of mercy. And notice, it's full of good works. We look at Galatians in chapter 5 and we see the fruit of the Spirit's and we see the fruit of the Spirit is also peace. That the fruit of the Spirit is gentle, it's temperate, it has mercy. So we see that when we have the fruit of the Spirit, we are also having the wisdom of God. We're using the wisdom of heaven 
Notice, it's without partiality. James, in this book, one of the big things that he teaches is the sin of partiality. But when we have biblical wisdom, we don't sow partiality. We don't decide we're going to elevate this person above this person because this person we like better. No, biblical wisdom says we are all sinners in need of God. And when we come to God, a person is not more saved than the other. But that when we all come to God, we are all co-equal in God with each other. That whatever mercy is said on my life is also said on your life. Verse 18 Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Again, biblical wisdom does not seek to cause strife. Biblical wisdom seeks peace. And in this we see that to James, there are two ways of living. There's the way of the world that leads to death and destruction... And there's the way of life that is found in biblical wisdom. Today, we are set on to determine what path are we going to live while we are on this earth. Are we going to allow our flesh to follow after the biblical or follow after worldly wisdom, or are we going to seek biblical wisdom? Back during Socrates' time, a young man came to him one time. And Socrates, knowing a young, full-hearted person, asked the young man, what do you want? And he said, oh, wise and wonderful and great Socrates, I seek wisdom. Well, Socrates led this young man down to the sea and pushed him underwater, held him there for 15 seconds, let him back up, and Asked him, young man, what do you want? The young man replied once again, O wise and wonderful Socrates, I seek wisdom. Well, Socrates subbed him down. Ten seconds passed. Twenty seconds passed. Thirty seconds passed. He let the young man up. The young man grasping for air. And Socrates asked, young man, what do you desire? And the young man said, I want wisdom, Socrates. I, that's what I want. So Socrates subbed him back under the water, held him there for 45 seconds, let him back up. Young man, what do you want? Oh, wise and wonderful sight. Then subbed him back under. 50 seconds finally passed and lift him up. And Socrates asked, what do you want? Air. I need air. And Socrates said, when you want wisdom as you just needed, wanted air, then you'll have wisdom. Today, church, we should not be like that young man where we just merely say, God, I want wisdom. I just want wisdom, God. We need to desire with a burning passion to seek after wisdom. Let us pray this evening.